off tonight, but I, um, I'll share with you something I wrote today called community. Um, I've heard you guys throughout the weekend use that word a little bit. And, and so with that in mind, when you hear, what do you think of when you hear the word community? I mean, what, what, when you hear the word community, what comes to mind? Being together. Working in union. Working in union. You know what? Honestly, one of the things that I always thought of when I thought of community <laughs> was a little farm town. I mean, when I hear community, I'm thinking small town. You know, you know technically, you know, for, for the things that I've heard you guys say about community, it's, it is that. It's that gathering up. It's, it's a, a group of people. It's a... Um, it's a community of people, you know, it's a brotherhood, um, the thing, and that's some of the wordage that you guys have used throughout this weekend. Um, a community is a smaller, large social unit that has something in common, this is from Wikipedia, uh, such as norms, religion, values, or identity. Communities often share a sense of place that is uh, situated in a given geographical area or in a virtual space through communication platforms. Uh, Webster's Dictionary defines community in this way. A unified body of individuals, uh, such as the people within common interests that are living in a particular area. A group of people with a common characteristic or interest living together within a large society or a community of, of retired persons. You know, a, a retirement community came to mind after that. I saw that. A body of persons are common and especially professional interests scattered throughout larger society. I think of that, you know, the military. You, know, you have a community, your, your, your unit or whatever it becomes a community. Um, a body of persons or nations having a common history or a common social, economic, or political interest. Uh, an intentional community. A group linked by a common policy. Uh, an interacting population of various kinds of individuals. Uh, common location. A social state or a condition. Uh, the school encourages a, a sense of community in its students. Joint ownership and a participation of a community of goods. Uh, common character or, character or likeness community of interest, or a, a, even a fellowship becomes a community. Um, again, I've heard this word community from you guys this weekend in different conversations I've heard different people say it. Uh, you've talked about the importance of community among yourselves and how comforting community can be. And it, gave me, it got me to thinking about the, the spiritual emphasis of community. And what I think of community, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is like the town I live in. We live in Perkins, Oklahoma. It's I don't even know the population. No, it's not huge. Ours isn't. Yeah, it's like maybe 2,000 people. I mean, you know, it's a farming community. Now, of course, you have a lot of outlying, you know, but, um, but, the, but the town itself is very small. I mean, we have a Mexican restaurant, we have a cafe, we have a McDonald's, and we have a Sonic. But it's easier to drive 10 miles of Stillwater to get better service. So that tells you the kind of community we live in. There's not a lot there. You know, we've seen restaurants come and go. We've seen stores come and go because the community's not big enough to sustain things. Um, <clears throat> a group of people in an area around me, uh, for the most part, are folks whom I have a sense of trust in. I watch out for them. They watch out for me. I, the little community that I live in is kind of out away from town. There's, uh, what, four houses, five houses that are right there within eyesight. You know, that's kind of a little community. Um, some I know personally, but many just know who they are, or I know they're a part of the community. I wave at them. You know, you do the country wave, you know, the, I mean, it, you got to get that, you know, just, 
Oh, sometimes it's a, you know, or, or if you know if you know them, then it's like a, you know, um, or, or it may be just one of these. We get that a lot, you know, the old farm reader. <laughs> Love that one, you know. So, <laughs> but um, I see community throughout the Bible as as well, and in the same way, towns or gatherings of people in an area. Um, but I, in the in the the families, like in the Bible, refers to them as, as tribes. There was a tribe of Judah. There were the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, that book that I read was called Tribe, and it, and it describes that, that tribe issue, you know, and how there were so many interesting things in that. It'll, it'll, it'll take me a while to, to really digest all that that I read because it's, um, it gave so many, so many things that, that most of you guys, would, especially military guys, would, would be familiar with, and you know, it, it described the Blitz when, when London was being bombed for 57 days straight. You know, I think you roll that in over Oklahoma City and start dropping bombs, that place is going to go nuts. Chaos is what I see. I mean, I see chaos happening in the midst of that. But what that book described is it, it literally tightened that community up. They, they became unified in such a way they became a tight community all with one mind, all with one goal, survive. You know, um, somebody mentioned, I think it was Adam that mentioned the Joplin tornado, that, that in, same thing, when that, when that tornado went through Joplin, it brought that community together in, in such a tight way. You know, is it still that way? Probably not. And neither is London. And they, the, he references that, that, that once that threat wasn't there anymore, once that, that, that need for that tight community wasn't there anymore, then they went back to their normal selves. You know, but it, it changed things. He, he gives reference after reference after reference to, to how um, when, a, when a country or a small village or something come under attack, no matter whether you liked each other or not, you came together in one body in a community. And, I, you know, I kind of see that. I, I, I would speculate that maybe similar in a military format. I, I have a feeling that you, there, there were probably guys within your unit that you might not necessarily would have liked to have hung out with on a regular basis because you, you might not have liked them. But you did because they were part of the community. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, throughout the Bible, I see this, and you know, it describes the 12 tribes of Israel, things like that. Jesus himself, once, once he began his ministry, he had a community or a tribe. He had his own tribe when you, when you think of it in that way. Um, he had a ton of followers. Jesus had a lot of followers. We, we hear about throughout the word about his 12 closest, his, his, his unique community of 12 followers. Um, they were, they were right there with him all the time. These 12 that were tight, uh, they moved when he moved. They flowed together. Um, they flowed together throughout life in, in, in the life that they lived at that time. You know, he, he literally handpicked them. You know, hey, come follow me. You know, quit what you're doing. Just, just come with me. You know, so there was something about him that, that created that community need in them because they did. They dropped their, their very things they were holding on to and, and left and followed him. I'm reminded of an account where, where Jesus and his tribe were in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Jesus, knowing that his time here is running out, um, and this mob comes after him to arrest him. Peter's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Oh, Peter. Peter's knucklehead. I mean, I can relate to Peter, you know? I mean, he just done some dumb things. And, and, and he, he reacted. He, he, he responded to things quickly, sometimes even without thinking. And, and that's exactly what he did here. They come to arrest Jesus. And what does Peter do? If you know the word, he draws his sword 
and he takes a swipe at the closest guy to him. I, you know, the Bible describes him cutting his ear off. You know, I, I don't think he was aiming to cut his ear off. I think he was aiming to cut his head off. And obviously the guy probably in defensive maneuver, and he just whacks his ear. But it, that, that sword comes into play real quick, and he takes a swing at this guy, and, and, and he cuts this dude's ear off uh, right off the side of his head. You know, community provides protection. When you think of community, it does. It provides a protection, a comfort, a sense of peace even. When I, when I leave on these trips, um, you know, I live out in the country. I have a lot of stuff. I, I live in an old farmhouse you know, that's full of all my stuff. I have some outbuildings, and I have my vehicles that are parked there. And You know, trailers get stolen real easy around there. You know, people always losing a trailer around us. I, I have two of them sitting there. Well, one's at his house right now, but... I, you know, I have I have one actually there's one tied to the back of my truck or one of my trucks right now. So you know, I have stuff that's out there that I I, I don't want to lose. So when I leave my community, I just get on the horn and I, I actually we, we refer to it in our community as you know turning on the community the neighborhood alarm is what we do. We turn on the neighborhood watch system. You know, I simply message some of my neighbors and say, hey, gonna be gone a few days. You know, daughter might be out here. Some neighbor may come feed the dog, but other than that, it shouldn't be invited to my house, you know. And, and there's enough people around there that on a regular basis, we watch out for each other. That's community, that, that protection, that comfort level. I don't really worry too much about my stuff because I know that if a car shows up in my driveway, somebody's going to check on it. You know, I've had those text messages, hey, there's a blue Chevy sitting in here, and you know who that is? Oh, yeah, it's my brother-in-law. Sorry, I should have told you they were coming, you know. So, I mean, so that, you know, that, that community effort brings about that sense of peace even. Um, community provides a sense of comfort like Peter with Jesus he, when, when they went to battle for his community of his friends you know, there had to have been a sense of comfort there you know that hey somebody's standing up for me man I got this um, as we surrender our hearts and lives to Christ it becomes real important that we build community around us um, a, a tribe of people that we can that we can grow to trust to, to lean on in times of need to to be accountable to or even provide accountability to them to cover our six when needed to encourage us when we struggle basically what you guys have here is a community you know you've you've put enough trust in peterson outdoors to come to an event um maybe you've been here before maybe not you know if you've been here before you knew what it was going to be about but if you hadn't been here before you you know you had to question some of that i mean obviously you know where you got a little taste of this, the deer hunt, so you kind of had an idea this is what we're going to be doing, you know. Um, we try to make it clear that, that, you know, Peterson event's about a spiritual thing, you know. I mean, it's we love to hunt. We have a passion for the outdoors, but our passion for Christ outweighs our passion for the outdoors, and we want to share that as much as we want to share our, our passion for the outdoors with you guys. So, But in the process of that, we want to build a community, and we've done so. You know, Josh has been with us for three years, three years, you know. Um, we, we've had other guys that have been around and, and come back and help. Big John's, what, two, or, two and a half, three years now for him, too. Two years, I guess. Um, and, and, you know, we've, we've got other guys. We were, we were talking about one that's in Florida now that we, Marcus Gwynn, we met however long ago. Um, we've got guys scattered all over the country that we stay in contact with that we, you know, because they're part of the community now. You know, we, we laugh and joke about the fact that once you come to a Peterson event, you're now family, you know, kind of like an in-law. <laughs> you 
You know, <laughs> some of them you want around and some of them you don't, you know, but that's kind of how we see things. And, but it, be, it literally becomes this, 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 this community that helps you in times of need. Um, you know, I, I, Josh, Josh said the other night, I'll leave him alone because I know when he gets quiet, I know the dude's, in, I know he's struggling. You know, when I quit hearing from him, when he quits talking to me, I know he's struggling. So, so I, I do everything I can as best I can to, to give him a kick through the phone to say, hey, dude, you know, you, what's going on? Talk to me, you know, let's get through this. Um, you know, and he, like he mentioned, we, we drove to Indiana. I mean, that's, um, that's just the type of community that this builds, you know. I mean, you, you think about when you, you have family or friends, when, when there's trouble or when there's a struggle, you go to them. You, you provide that support for them. Well, that's exactly what we build here. We build that community. Church can become that community. Matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 to 25, it says, Let us hold fast to the confessions of our hope without wavering. For, who promised, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I, man, I've heard a lot of preachers use that piece of scripture to tell me I got to go to church. I don't really like people telling me I got to go to church. I don't like people telling me I got to do anything. I'm kind of a rebellious person when it comes to that. But basically, what that's stating is we need that community. We we need it to to hold each other together. Listen to Landon, you know, talk about why he reached out. He reached out because he realized I need a community that's more positive than the one I've been a part of. You know. I've heard it, I've preached it to a bunch of youth being a youth minister. You know, I can tell who you are by checking out your friends. You know, I, I mean, I'm, that's going to show me things about you. You know, well, think about that in, the, in your community. When, when everything you have around you is negative, you're probably going to reflect some of that, if not all of that. So, so why not build a community around you that's more positive? That's, you know, I, I can't tell you that, that you can just walk into a church and feel right at home. That's probably not going to happen. But I know a lot of you guys have a church home. So a lot of you guys have a family, have a relationship, and have a church that you, should, that you go to on a regular basis. And, it, and it's important because you need to come to, a, to an understanding that church isn't about somewhere to go and get something. That's, that's not what church is about. Not, not, how, not how it was intended. You know, a man has kind of fluctuated and changed church around. I think we do church all wrong. <laughs> Most church today is done completely wrong. Because to me, a church ought to be a place of celebration. A church on a Sunday morning service ought to be somewhere where we celebrate all the ministry that we've done throughout the week. That ought to be a place where we come and rejoice all the things that we've seen and done for Christ throughout the week. And, and then get that fueling, you know, that, that refuel station to where that preacher gives us the word, encourages us, and sends us right back out to do it all again next week. To me, that's what church is. But, but in, unfortunately, mankind has, uh, has made church this, this stigma of, hey, man, I pay that guy to stand behind that pulpit, and, and it's his job to make sure I'm spiritually okay and feed me every week because I'm not going to do it myself. Guys, I didn't get this way by eating once a week. Especially not something someone else fed me, because I don't really like about half the stuff that I get fed. I'm, I, you know, I mean, Chris will tell you, I'm not a health food kind of guy, obviously. <laughs> but, so somewhere in there, we have to process this on our own. 
And again, getting a mindset that, that church isn't about just going to receive something. We should go to church in order to give something. You know, when you walk through that church door, of course, somebody may need to see you. Somebody may need your smile. You may see something in somebody and you say, hey, dude, how you doing today? You know, when I was a youth pastor in, in New Mexico, I wound up with a skate park on my parking lot. Um, I, I rode a skateboard when I was young, but I'm not a skater, you know. I can roll across the floor today on one without breaking my leg, but maybe. But, um, you know, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. But for whatever reason, I wind up with this skate park as a ministry. And, and I got, I actually got hammered more times than one from my board and from my, my ministerial staff because they never saw me preaching out there. It's like, I don't, I don't need to. What do you mean you don't need to? I spent most of my time with 60 to 70 to 80 young people every Thursday and Friday night standing on my church parking lot, skating and biking and rollerblading or whatever it was. And I spent most of my time saying, hey, man, how's it going? And I listened very intently for their answer. Because some would tell you, hey, life's good, man. Life's, life's awesome, doing well. But then another, another one would say, ah, man, sucks. Really? And then the next thing you know, we're sitting at the picnic table and we're having a conversation. That relational factor coming into play. You know, I didn't tell him, hey, dude, you got to come to church Wednesday night because you come skate on my park. I, I, I didn't tell him any of that. As a matter of fact, I said, do you go to church somewhere? Oh, yeah, you know, my family goes over here to the Baptist church. I'm like, well, come Sunday morning, dude, you need to be there. You need to meet that youth pastor. You need to get involved with their ministry. I didn't tell him he didn't get involved with mine. I want him to plug in where he fits. You know, if his family's there, if his friends are there, I want you to plug in right there. You know, and it became important, though, with that re relational factor. I can't tell you how many times that I needed those Thursday and Friday nights because it made me feel useful. <laughs> it made me feel like that, that maybe really this ministry thing was something I should be doing because a lot of times I didn't feel like it was a good place, you know? People need what you have. You know, I, I walk into a church and I, I need somebody to say, hey, man, I haven't seen you in two or three weeks. Man, it's good to see you back. That's a good feeling. We, we need that. We need that from our community. We need our community to recognize that I've been gone. You know, we, we need, a, and, and for, for you guys that are, that are regulars in church, I encourage you to do that to your people. Look around. If you see somebody you ain't seen in a few weeks, tell them, I missed you. Because they may need to hear that. But if you're not involved in a ministry, if you're not regularly finding a place to, to come together in a community of believers, you need to find that. You know, it's not easy. Yeah, not, not every church is cool. Not every church does good stuff. Some of them are kind of boring. And, um, you know, I, I watched my, my son and, and my family, the church I was ministering at, I watched them leave it because of issues with leadership you know and it was challenging to see them walk away but when they did and they found a place that they fit i also watched their life change that's incredible you know it's, it's just an incredible thing to see a, a person find a, a, their niche and, and to watch god begin to grow inside of them Lost my note. There we go. 
That day being referred to in this passage of Scripture, obviously, is the rapture, the second coming of Jesus Christ, um, to receive his followers into his presence. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, that, that iron sharpens iron, just as man sharpens another man. You know, that's, a, that's another very cool passage of Scripture to me, because it's, it's through community, it's through meeting together, it's through covering each other, through watching out for each other, through serving each other, through, through our time spent in community with each other, that we, that we sharpen each other, that we strengthen each other. You know, that, that, that piece of Scripture is huge to me because we need it. You know, our blades get dull a lot, and it's not hard. We, we find ourselves singled out. We, we allow ourselves um, to single, single ourselves away and to hide out. It's not healthy. It's not healthy on us. It's not healthy on our families. You know, we, we need that community. We need that, that iron sharpening each other. We need that iron sharpening iron. The enemy of our souls plots against us. He twists our thoughts. He uses our memory to dredge up over our past. He throws our old sin at us, trying to trip us up and get us to fall. The best warfare that he has against us is to single us out, to, to cut us from the herd, if you want to look at it in that fashion. You know, I mean, go watch a little National Geographic, you know. The, the, that wolf pack, that's exactly what they're looking for. They're looking for that one that's out there by himself, that one that's dragging behind. You know, that one that's that... that kind of got cut away from the herd, and they're going to take that one away. And that's the one they're going after. And that's exactly what our enemy does against us. He singles us out. He cuts us from the herd to get us alone where we're more vulnerable, where our tribe can't see us and can't come to our aid. Guys, it's imperative that we build community around us or, or that we attach ourselves to a tribe who, who can not only protect us but will help us grow stronger. Peterson Outdoor Ministry is one of those tribes. It, it is a place where you can, where you can grow and, and find strength, and you've got a, a community of believers who desire uh, to, to provide cover over you. I, I can tell you right now, I, honestly, I don't know the number, but there is 50, 60 people that are praying right now for this message right now tonight because I sent out a, a message earlier today. And said, hey, man, I, you know, I feel like God's put something on my heart tonight. We're going to share. We're going to end in our event. We're coming, coming to a close. These people have been praying over this event all before, <laughs> before we even got down here. I mean, there's a community of people who pray over you guys. And, and they'll continue because they have names. They got your name. They got, you know, they know who you are on a piece of paper, on an email that they got sent that says, hey, man, these guys are coming to this event. And, and they're going to continue to pray for you. You may never see them, you may never meet them, you may never come to know them, but they're praying over you, and they won't stop. Your local church, a Christian men's group, um, and I say it on purpose, you, you need men of faith around you. Uh, don't pick weak or non-believers. That's not a good idea. Uh, they're not going to protect you. You need the strongest, most godly men you can find to bring into your community they're the ones who, who can sharpen your sword and prepare you for battle. You know, um, the, one, the one thing I think, as, as I, and I'll, I'll just kind of bring this out. I'm, I'm not going to finish the way I intended here, but there are a number, there are a number of people who come to these events, they hear the messages, um, they meet the people, 
they do the hunt, and they walk out of here still calloused up, still calloused over, and nothing changes. There's nothing that Peter Snedrill Ministries can do to fix that. We, we can bring the Chuck McAllisters. You know, we can bring the Luke Hochavers. We can bring whoever you want to bring to speak to you, to minister to you, to, to share the Word of God. The Word of God is no different no matter who it comes from. The challenge is going to remain the same. And that challenge is it's always left in your court. It's always your choice because that's the way God designed it. You know, I, I learned in, in the Juvenile Detention Center ministry, um, it was very difficult for me because, you know, I would hear these stories and I, I would hear these kids and, you know, of course, <laughs> they all tell you they're innocent. Um, I had the sergeant actually tell me one night, she said, you, you do realize why all these young people are here, right? I'm like, what do you mean? She said, they're criminals. They've broken the law. It's why they're locked up. And, and you know, it seems kind of odd to, to think of that, but, but it's a truth. You know, they made a choice that put them in the situation that they're in. The only thing that I can do about that is to share the truth with them. They have to decide whether or not they're going to accept that truth or not and not make that same choice again. I can tell you that the word that they utilize in this is recidivism. The recidivism rate for incarceration is astronomical. Matter of fact, there was a statistic that was used while I was in New Mexico. That's been in the early 2000s. Seven out of ten of the young people that I talked to in the juvenile system would go to adult prison. Seven out of ten. You know, I often wonder what that statistic is for ministry. How many people in my short time of ministry, I started in full-time staff ministry in 1998. I have no idea how many people I've given a message to. I don't know how many idea of, of the amount of people I've given an altar call to. But I wonder, what's the recidivism rate? How many of them decided not to make the right choice? There's nothing I can do about that. That's all on you. I've done my job. I've brought you the message. I've brought you the truth. Now it's up to you as to what you do with that truth. I, I can tell you this, that, that there is one piece of Scripture in there that, that simply states that the Word of God is the truth, and the truth will set you free. I don't care what you got going on. I don't care what you think you can't get over. The truth will set you free. But it's your choice. Is it a challenge? Is it a fight? Absolutely. It will always be a struggle. It will always be a challenge. But if you choose the truth, it will set you free. With that, I just, I just want to, to, to pray with you guys. If you wouldn't mind.